do we have to do a podcast this week? Coming off the back of a pretty miserable Friday night back in Manchester, uh, my name's Lewis and you're back in the Shark Tank. And the one positive after a horrendous weekend of rugby-related matters is I'm with my good friends Alex and James again. Alex, how are you doing, mate? Very good, mate. And the other positive is that we finally met in person. So yeah, We did, yeah. we did. Um, although I was disappointed that more people weren't, uh, uh, weren't lavishing likes and retweets on us. But, you know, you can't have everything, can you? James, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing particularly well. I'm in Spain. So, you know, it, it's, it's a long, long way from the AJL, AJ Bell Stadium. So it's probably a good thing at the moment. In every sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, James has just shown us his, uh, the view out of his window, and uh, yeah, let's let's just say I'm getting a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, wonder, uh, wanderlust at the moment. I mean, look, dude, I really don't want to have to go over things. You know, if you listen to this podcast, I assume you either were at the game, uh, or you saw it on TV, or you looked it looked at it through your through your hands on Premiership Rugby's TV highlights, uh, the, you know, over the weekend. But obviously, we sit here, sail two games into the season uh, with two losses. Um, Alex, I'll start with you. Can, can we take any positives from, from Friday night's 13-12 defeat to, uh, to, to Newcastle Falcons? Uh, that it's over is the first... <laughs> you know, that was probably the, one of the most painful matches I've ever had to sit through in terms of... I mean, a lot of people were saying that it was a bad match. I, didn't, I, was, I was entertained by it, but I was just so frustrated. I've, I've, some of the emotions that I felt... Um, were were particularly I don't know I I thought I'd missed rugby and then you get back to it and um, and you get a performance like that but to answer your question I th- I think there's a couple of positives um, okay I, hit me I, hit I, me because like I'm I'm struggling to think of uh, more than one or two well my love for Fafta Clerk is now reaching your levels of <laughs> admiration because he was just awesome. Um, I think it'll get a reaction from the team. Um, so, I mean, that's not a positive from the game. That's just something I expect to happen. And Dimes did say last week, oh, I expect a reaction after Wasps. Um, I am I'm racking my brains. I mean, the rugby's bad. It could be worse. It could be, we could be having to fill our days with like hockey on Eurosport. So, you know, at least it was a bit of rugby. We've got a bonus point. We're not bottom. Leicester lost, which is always, always enjoyable. So, but in terms of positives from sales point of view, um, other than the fact that it's probably going to give us a massive kick up the backside, not many. James, I'm going to put the same question to you. You know, can can we take any any positives from Friday night's game? Um, not really. No, I think um, I think the only positives to take out of it are that we are quite clear that two of our key players this year are Rob Webber and Bryn Evans. Absolutely. Uh, and, and 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 I think that that helps clarify, you know, where we're at in terms of development in the front five. Um, and then I agree on Faf de Klerk. I thought he had a he had a really really good game. Um, and actually, you know, I felt that some of the other people around him were just struggling to keep up with the way his his, his brain thinks. So hopefully, as they play together more, people get more in his own wavelength, and and that will be a that will be a positive. But. Other than that, I'm, I'm scratching around a bit. It reminded me a lot of the loss at home last year to Gloucester, which yeah. was about four games in or something like that, where it sort of came crashing home to all of us that um, we aren't going to be top six. And I just really, really hope that this loss against the Newcastle side, who, you know, I was jumping up and down about how good they were last week, but still to the way that they played um, and, you know... <laughs> at home against a team that we need to finish above if we're going to have a good season at all. I mean, even I, I, I predicted that Sale would come eighth this year and in that prediction had Newcastle below us. So I think it still brings a lot into perspective about where we are at the moment and absolutely agree with Alex. You know, we need to respond and beat Irish next week. Otherwise, this decision to do this podcast every week might be the end. <laughs> No, I'm so hurting us, isn't it? Well, I, I woke up uh, on Saturday morning after the game and thought the last thing I want to do is, is uh, talk about this for, for for an hour. But you know, here we are. We've, we've got to stick with it. I think you made some absolutely you know fantastic points there, James uh, and and Alex. Um, I'm not going to leave you out, mate. Um, basically, I think 
my problem with Friday's game was that Sale didn't necessarily do enough to lose. Um, but the problem is Newcastle made sure they were, they were in it, and Sale sort of beat themselves. Like uh, you know, Newcastle made sure that uh, that they were uh, you know in within a score in the last sort of you know 10 15 minutes um and then we, we beat ourselves you know um that bizarre tj yoani kick when he was under no pressure in the 22 from that uh we kicked the ball uh newcastle kicked the ball out so lose the line out there's an, another kick downfield mike haley knocks it on we have a scrum sale uh, sales from row collapses the kick to the corner and score and one thing i want to talk about very very quickly before we get into the to, you know the, the negativity around sale of which i think we, we should pay a little bit of attention to um is newcastle were, were absolutely superb in, in playing the sort of almost perfect away game of the aj ballot you know keeping it close the fact that individual defense was superb the collective defense was superb i thought i want to say a special mention to uh callum, callum chick callum green um, Mark Wilson and Will Welch, who were absolutely superb in disrupting um, the the cell line out, um, and just in general, sort of getting around the field and stuff. Those four are absolutely superb. And to be perfectly honest, I think those four players are the backbone of the Newcastle scrum that Steve Diamond wants Sale scrum to be, um, uh, and, and which obviously he doesn't have at the moment. But um, before we before we get into it a little bit more about where Sale sort of went wrong, we ask you, uh, the, the loyal listeners. Um, to give us your three-word summaries, which is an excellent initiative by uh, Alex on Twitter this morning. Um, Robin Southern, Bryn is needed. Uh, Jamie McAndrew, long season ahead. Uh, Smith and Valentine uh, went for top four finish. Don't know how he got that. He mustn't have watched the game on Friday. Um, catch I think his the... tongue might have been firmly in his cheek <laughs> at that point. Uh, Gareth, catch the ball. Lad and Dad, win more lineouts. Uh, Kippers, one to forget. Damien Boswell, my favourite one. Uh, don't fuck up. Um, l- l- I mean, l- there's no positives to talk about really, apart from how how good Fafter Clerk was um, and uh, and AJ McGinty kicking four kicks out of four. Uh, let James, let's go. Let's go to you. Um, where, where do we start with dissecting why? You know, where, where's the autopsy begin? Why did Sale lose this game? I think ultimately they lost it because Mike Haley struggles under you know under the high ball and struggles to field kicks relatively often. He, he knocks on quite a lot. I think ultimately one point in the match that where we lost it, um, knocking on and the scrum the way it was with Will Griff John on, and then that that, that leads on to the second point around our set pieces. Uh, I mean clearly that I mean I don't need to bang on about the line out. I mean it. I mean it was the worst I've, I've ever seen in a sale team. Um, it was just all over the place. Um, I think, uh, to be honest, I think the calls were interesting early doors, backing Cameron Neal to be hitting people at the back of the line-out and middle of the line-out on his first ever start at hooker um, in those conditions. I mean, it was just absolute lunacy. Um, having said that, you know, when, when his confidence went down and Mark Jones came on, it was no good either. So I think there's a, mi- there's a mixture between the leading in the line-out and Josh Beaumont's calling and Cameron Neal just... You know, probably folding a little bit under the pressure, understandably. But clearly, you know, if you can't win your own ball at your line out, then you're in trouble. And then being obviously, you know, pushed back like the way we were in the scrum, especially um, when Will Griff John came on. I mean, that is a is a huge, huge worry for the rest of the season. Unsurprisingly, I've not watched the game back, um, but apparently there was some. Very, did, has anyone heard what Dimes said midway through the first half when he did the sort of coaches interview? I've I've not seen it, but apparently he sort of threw Cameron Neal under the bus a little bit, which is uh, a, a bit worrying. Uh, did either guys? Did either of you guys see that? Alex, you're not in your head. I I didn't. So I haven't watched it back, um, but I have seen the clip of him. Talking, I couldn't bear to watch any more of the actual rugby. But, um, and he said something like, "If he does that again, he'll come off." Um, and also something to do with this isn't my fault. I haven't, so I can't. I can't remember. But he said something. Oh, the lineup used to be great, and then um, it's gone a bit rubbish now. So we need to speak well, to the coach. What what he said was, you know, we'll work on the lineouts all this week, and then something else will go wrong. So, <laughs> I, I mean, it it, it was. It was a bit disappointing from Diamond. Mm. I do agree that you know there's only so much coaching you can do. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, the Mike, you know the TJ Iwani kick and then the Mike Haley knocking it on like you know you know in your own 22 under no pressure at all. You know he's just got time to just take it with his foot or something or anything at that stage. It's about an error-free game. So I do feel for Diamond in some ways that the players have let him down. Uh, I think 
to be honest. There's only so much you can do. They went out there and, and, and didn't play very well. Alex, sorry, Alex, um, I'm jumping all over you there. I was just going to go back to you why we lost. I think one of the other things was that we just didn't play the conditions and take our chances when we had them. So, and Faf had a great game, but he did take a tap penalty from about 30 metres out, bang in front of the post when we were three or six points up, I think, which is great. And I love it. I'm glad he did it because it made the made the game quite exciting. But what I do, I do think that's a bit symptomatic of the fact that we were in a tight game with three nil up at half time. And we were still going in the second half for tap penalties and going for line outs and we didn't have any. I mean, you know, I just think there needs to be either senior players on the field or the coaching staff getting the message on that just take three points, get seven points clear, get 10 points clear, get 12 points clear, and then you can start going and throwing it around and whatever. I don't care. Because Newcastle, to be honest, didn't look like scoring. That's That was one actual positive, actually. I thought our defence was much better than last week. And I know Newcastle aren't, aren't wasps, but at the same time, we, they they put thirty five points on Worcester last week. They're not a, you know, they're not a stagnant attacking team. So I think it looked much more organised. There were some really good hits. Denny made a couple of really good tackles where where last week wingers were coming in and getting caught. This week wingers were coming in and making those tackles. But we just there needs to be some level heads on the pitch saying right, take three points because I mean I cannot understand why we didn't. Go, at least go for the three points with with, with McGinty there. It, I mean, I mean, if I was the coaching team, I would literally be running onto the pitch and, and like pulling them to the ground with um, the tea. Just chuck the tea on. Once the tea's on, you have to yeah, take the kick, don't you? I know. I mean, that that I'm afraid was a very poor captaincy decision. And, and I think it, I like the confidence in some way, but also we all know that rugby is about momentum and building confidence. And just getting a win, any win, if we if it had been. 3-0 that we won and it had been a terrible game and the BT commentators were moaning about it we wouldn't have cared because yeah. we know that it's it's some money it's some points on the board when that we'd be like five six point points clear of the bottom team and we'd already be able to think well now we can start throwing it about and being extra confident just win the game so yeah I completely agree with you I think that was decision by Captain and, and McGinty. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, one of the things that worries me a little bit is, is yeah, this absence of playing you know heads up rugby to, to acknowledge that the conditions are, are you know piss poor and that you know you've got a hooker on who you know who's uh, missing his throws or your lineups just struggling for whatever reason and Newcastle are all over it. And this idea that I, I was saying uh, sort of after the game that. You know, if, if they had won 12, 12 6, you know, I'd look back at it and say, you know, McGinty, you know, McGinty managed the game, you know, the team managed the game while McGinty made his kicks. You know, it's not, you know, ideal, but, you know, on a Friday night in the pouring rain against a, a abrasive team that fronts up so well like Newcastle, you know, taking a 12 6 is nothing to scoff at, especially because Sale in the past few seasons have really struggled to close out that sort of game, uh, you know, as we saw again on Friday. And, you know, sometimes you want to see uh, a little bit of boring rugby, you know, to kill a game off and win, you know, uh, Twelve six in, in in the driving rain. Um, one thing I actually thought uh, Sale did well was I thought McGinty's kicking was superb. Um, you know, there was a bit of a, a funny one near uh, just just in front of the post in, in the mid second half. But apart from that, I thought you know, someone made a good point to me in the stands. He's not missed a kick this season. You know, we're only two games in, and he's only had I think seven or eight kicks at goal. But you know, he's he's kicking them from all over. And in those conditions, if you're Will Addison, why don't you trust uh, why don't you trust your, your number ten to, to go for that sort of thing? Um, you know, and, and, and put a few points on the board. That being said, I don't think McGinty was, was particularly blameless uh, in the game because I, I want to talk about sales sort of uh, attack um, on Friday night or, or should I say lack thereof. For me, uh, this team, unless it's running rugby and you know the, the ground's hard, you know, and, and the game is, is massively spread open you know they, they can throw the ball around we we know that but on a game on a night like Fridays where the conditions were a bit poor and the game was sort of close and in tight you know I was a bit concerned to see um, uh, Sale really struggle to open that Newcastle defence up and, and I think a lot of blame has to has to rest with McGinty um, who I thought really struggled to sort of create anything and when there was a few opportunities again he sort of opted to sort of hit the line himself and you know be a bit more abrasive when perhaps like moving it around as well there's another player I also think is, is, is partly to blame but I'm going to see if either of you two come on to that so Alex do you think do you think that's a fair assessment of, of Sale's um, attacking struggles on, on Friday night should we 
should we blame the sort of nine ten axis? I I think I think well, there's blame, and then there's sort of you've got to manage your expectations of the fact that um, our nine on Friday night is a certain type of player who is go with the flow, going to throw it around, going to look play heads up rugby, see it, and just go for it, and. You know he's he's going to throw some wonder passes, but he's also going to throw, and he did throw quite a few sort of passes that are going to floor, passes that are maybe not in you know directly into people's hands because he's just trying to get it away and get it to where it needs to be, which is great. But then you've got a ten who plays a much more structured kind of um, game, and who also has been playing last season with Mike Phillips and Peter Stringer, who are not at all like Factor Clerk. So yeah. AJ McGinty at Sale has, has not played with a scrum half like Fafty Clerk. And I know there's not many scrum halves like Fafty Clerk, Lewis, and I'm waiting for you to say he's one of a kind. But, you know, that style of scrum half, Mitchell was maybe a bit more that style of scrum half, but they didn't play together a lot. So, yeah, I think attacking-wise, the ball just sort of... We just, we just played the wrong kind of attack, I think. I think we tried to play the Wasps attack and... Again, is that coaching? Is that players on the field reacting to it? I, I just think we had one really, really good counter attack when McGuigan nearly scored. Arguably, did score. He I did score. He, did, he definitely scored. You think he did? He's, he's got his fingertips I mean, on it. Like you know, by letter of the law, that's that's downward pressure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, when he first put it down, I thought he's got to have scored that. He's a Kiwi; they don't drop things like that. And then when I saw it on the screen, I thought immediately, oh, he's dropped it. They're not going to give it. Um, it's on TV as well, so we just seem to have bad luck with TV. Um, but yeah, the nine, the nine ten is an issue that will come in time. And if you've got a kicker like AJ kicking his kicks, then that's probably going to be the difference between relegation and not to relegation wherever we end up the fact that if you remember that season we had relegation it was Cipriani's first season his kicking wasn't it's not not like having Stephen Myler who's just going to bang over everything it's you know it was a bit more um, a bit more Cipriani a bit more after clerk really that sort of unexpected excitement that you get <laughs> um, so yeah I, and I think you can't really blame many of the outside backs because they didn't get much of the ball. I mean, Jennings didn't really have any impact on the game, but that's not to say he played badly. He just he just didn't really get a chance. Denny Solomona, I'm going to read out a stat about Denny later, um, which will show you exactly how much he did, but I'll save it. Tantalise, you know, tease that. <laughs> okay, James, do you, do you agree with that assessment uh, that Alex has just given? Yeah, I, I don't think we can blame the nine ten axis here. I don't think it was a game for, you know, flowing backs moves and tries in the corner, and um, it was a game to win up front and kick all your points. And we turned down an opportunity to take the game out of sight from Newcastle and take the the kick at goal. McGinty was kicking everything, so I really don't I really don't think they had anything to do with it to be perfectly honest the, probably the reason why we're taking the tap penalties because we couldn't win anything in the line out yeah so you know it's it, it's it's catch 22 really um on that front but no it wasn't the nine nine tens fault it was that we just we didn't win it enough up front well, i want to i want to throw something out at you two and i'm interested to see to see what you guys think um one player i did identify as having a particularly poor game was will anderson uh, and you know, bear, bear with me on this one because I think one of the problems I've noticed with the way Will Allison plays, and this is partly why I think he's he's a better winger than he's an outside centre. I saw a few a op- uh, few times uh, against Newcastle on Friday where he had the ball in a little bit of space. He got on the outside of his man because that first step of his is great. You can get on the outside of the man, turn his turn his defender's shoulder, uh, and really sort of stretch the game. But then. Well, after he's done this, he, Addison has this horrible tendency to just sort of drift into the winger that's outside of him. And he did it twice to Denny Solomona. Um, you know, at times where uh, it would have been a lot simpler to just sort of pass it on after having, or, you know, cut inside. And there were a couple of opportunities, uh, you know, when he actually did do that. But there's a couple I remember very distinctly where he, he almost runs into Solomona because he's got outside of his man, um, but then he sort of just keeps drifting and drifting and doesn't give the pass. And there's two opportunities when Sale um, were leading in the second half in the Newcastle 22. There was the one, um, I don't know if you guys remember it, where uh, I think it's Alex Tate rushes out to him. And rather than just sort of shit the ball on, he tries to cut inside 
um, the the incoming uh, incoming Tate. Uh, whereas if he'd actually made the pass, it's uh, I think it's a three on two. Um, and there was another there was another time again where there's just the same thing happened. He got outside of his man. Um, the ridden sailor in the twenty two, and he just sort of. Uh, with, with an overlap and he just sort of like runs into contact and doesn't really do anything with it and this comes into a bit of a broader question you know we've spoken a lot about how good you know it was sale of done off the field signing a, a lot of the young talents up but I was looking around on, on Friday night and this is you know in addition to your point James um, I was looking around at Haley, at Bowman, at Addison, and I, I, I didn't see anything that sort of marked them out as special. And, and to be perfectly honest, you know, it's a bit harsh given, given his injury history. But I was watching Josh Beaumont play, and he looks, he looks nothing better than a squad player at the moment. And, you know, should we be expecting more of these, you know, these three, four key players um, to really sort of step up and give that on-field leadership, which we've all agreed was so clearly lacking on, on Friday. And, you know, do, do, do you agree with that, James? Do you think that's a, a fair point to make? Or am I being a little bit harsh on Addison, Bowman, et al? I think you are being a little bit harsh, and we've got to remember that Will Addison was playing a lot at outside centre um, for that patch last year and was absolutely brilliant as well. He also can play on the wing. I, I think he might play a little bit on the wing. It all depends on what we do with Hayley. Um, I can imagine a scenario... Uh, where Haley's given a chance to to come back against Irish, and if that doesn't go well, then McGuigan to full back, Addison to 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 the wing, and James back in outside centre. Um, I think we are being harsh, but I think it's fair to be harsh now. These guys aren't twenty year old youngsters anymore. They Beaumont was captain last year. Addison is captain this year. They're in their mid twenties now, and they are more leadership figures, and they have to take the ownership and be able to shoulder that ownership and I think with Beaumont last year we did see he was struggling for a bit of form um, and I think that's definitely knocked his confidence and don't forget he's now moving up into the second row it's heavier on, on the legs it's it's hard. It's a hard um, position to play, Bryn Evans is, is not there so suddenly he's also got to take on the responsibility for the line out calls and, and, and you know I think we have to give him a little bit of time um, to make that adjustment but it is a watch out and he's definitely neither of them are assured their place in the side um, that could be a strength if we start playing well because people want to train well they want to perform well every week they want to be playing in a winning side um, but you know it also means that Diamond might have to make some difficult decisions if we don't turn it around so my thoughts on that would be that I know neither of them are assured their place in the side, but at the same time, I think on Friday night, Haley was having a bad... Well, he wasn't having a bad game, but he had a few mistakes. And if you look at someone like Cam Neild, what happened was Cam Neild was having a bad game, and I don't think that's harsh to say. I think it, I don't think it's his fault that he was having a bad game. I think it's a bit of mismanagement by the club. But Cam Neild was having a bad game, and he got pulled. And he came back on, but then he got pulled again. So... Whereas Haley, we couldn't really take him off. I mean, we we could have done, but we've been putting people into positions that either they haven't played for ages or they're not, you know, massively familiar with. We've probably been shifting out Addison to the wing, putting James in at centre, McGuigan to fullback, and I'm confused as to why Sam James didn't come on, but I'll let that go. And it's the same with Addison that, you know, I think Addison should have come off for James, but Diamond. I think left Addison on because he's captain and there and wanted him out there for that reason. So I think part of this problem is that the competition for these guys and Beaumont's kind of the same in that our second row depth is actually not is massive. He's got competition, but his competition's come on off the bench for him was George Knott and you know George Knott with all due respect isn't someone like Bryn Evans or someone experienced who can push him and, you know, push him to be a better player. So I think part of that issue is that we need to get them some competition in their places to push them on to be better players because I do think that we found a problem on Friday night that we we maybe needed to change things and really we couldn't and part of that probably comes back to Lewis's hatred of that 6-2 bench split where we, I mean, we didn't, we brought on a scrum off and we didn't bring on any backs and frankly we needed someone in the backs to do what Jennings does and what Sam James can do and just take the ball in, you know, take contact. And the other thing with Addison is I've got a theory that maybe this captaincy has sort of made him feel a bit of pressure and responsibility to kind of be, you know, 
Superman and I think a couple of times on Friday night he sort of thought right I'm gonna I'm gonna you know make this run and I'm gonna he did a great one in the first half for that McGuigan try or no try um, but he sort of seemed to try and make make things happen in the game when they weren't really on and you sort of you know you maybe had a two on two with him and Denny and you thought right I'm going to step outside my man draw the outside man and hand it off and it just wasn't really working like that and I think that that's part of it that maybe the captaincy for Addison is going to pressure him a bit so you need senior players to take a bit of that pressure off him and then you need more pressure and this is sort of not really making any sense but <laughs> I do have a point um, you need more pressure on the players who have perhaps not got the level of competition that other positions have, i.e. Hooker, there is Cameron Neal is going to be pushed by the fact that Mark Jones and Rob Webber are both experienced, reliable players. You know, tight head prop is, you know, you've got our leaker who can always come in and do a job and that will probably push the other two to be better players. And back row is such a competitive area. You've got Dave Seymour starting on, starting for the Jets tonight. And Dave Seymour was a quality, quality player and has sort of fallen out of the team because of that level of competition. So that would be my assessment of those three or four. And hopefully we can manage that, but we'll have to see. Okay, Alex, let's do some stats really quickly because I want to, I want to, I want to finish talking about this. You know, it's already gone on twenty minutes too long. Yes, yeah. Um, quick stats: we made four hundred thirty-four meters, which is a massive positive, apart from the fact that we only scored twelve points. Um, we won six out of six malls again positive I mean when it came to the crunch we didn't win you know we didn't stop their malls but you know I'm I'm trying to keep this podcast light we had 55% of possession again we had more possession we had 60% of territory again so we dominated the game so that's I think that says something about our being clinical if Exeter had had that possession and territory that have put people out of sight right give me those um, line stats Let's let's just oh. you know, let's just let's just get it out out and you know over the, out of the way. Um, the good news is we won the same amount of lineouts as Newcastle, fourteen. The bad news is we missed ten, so we were fourteen out of twenty-four. Um, which professional team? Um, I don't know. You know, well, it's, it's times four, so it's about sixty-ish percent. Is it? Yeah, um, let's go with that. Sixty-ish percent. Fifty-eight point three 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 recurring percent, um, that is, that, that is which isn't as bad as it seems. It's not great. Neil won five lineouts, so you know he didn't do too badly. Jones won seven, and the man, the myth, the legend that is John O'Ross at hooker won two. I think of three. I think he lost one, didn't he? Two out of three. Um, yeah, he managed to cunningly just throw the ball to Ross Harrison at the front of the line out, and Newcastle didn't twig onto that, which was great. I need to do it um, twice. Mm. And um, tackles made, we were 88, missed 8, so we were 92% on our tackling, which is really good. Um, Newcastle, on the other hand, made 141 tackles, um, which, again, just shows the state of the game. We dominated. They conceded 15 penalties. We conceded 8, so they conceded nearly double the amount of penalties that we did. And we've just got a... I mean, I can sit here all day and read stats that tell you how much better than them we were. Um, but you know, we just we just didn't we didn't capitalise on that pressure, and you know that's that's part of it. Right. To take it slightly more positive, I've got a couple of positives on players to end on. Oh, go on. McGuigan, six runs, ninety-four metres, five clean breaks, six defenders beaten. Brilliant. If he stops knocking it on, then he's going to be player of the season um, and then Faf 12 runs 66 metres just thought you'd want to know that two, two clean breaks three defenders beaten Denny Sotlamona made 8 metres in the game um, John O'Ross 13 carries 12 metres made um, so yeah and Byron McGregor conceded three turnovers which I think was three knock-ons um, so it's it's sort of it's, a mixed bag it's a well. It's 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 one of those where you look at the stats and you think we're dominating teams, we're dominating sort of the stats of games, but actually on the field, neither of those games we've dominated. So I think it's about. I think it is. There's a positive in a way that 
we've clearly got a bit of potential to if we can be a bit more clinical and have a few cooler heads and maybe I think probably bring some more senior players back into the fold just to steady the ship a bit then we'll be fine um, so there's there's positives Right, speaking of steadying the ship uh, let's draw a line under Newcastle, it, it is what it is two points out of two games, whatever uh, and uh, James, let's, let's look ahead to the next Friday night, we're going to do it all again probably in the rain, um, we've got London Irish making the visit and uh, you've uh, once again done your diligent research into a uh, uh, into the opposition on Friday. What can you tell us about London Irish and you know uh, who uh, you know who do we need to keep an eye on first and foremost? Well, first and foremost, I think we'll be keeping an eye on London Irish and Worcester a lot this season, um, <laughs> and, and having a look at what results they they're actually producing. Um, last week didn't go so well for them, but away at the Chiefs, I don't think they were expecting anything there. Um, they certainly. Um, didn't shame themselves at all. Exeter Chiefs looking to, you know, bounce back from their first week. So came out all guns blazing, um, huge amounts of uh, big carrying, etc. Um, Irish did let in 37 points. So I think, um, you know, looking at their first game as well versus Irish, which with lots of tries like we had against Wasp, but I think they're yet to prove that their defence is strong and watertight so we can look to um, maybe probe there if the weather's okay uh, maybe Alex can update us on that in a bit in terms of players uh, in terms of players I think they've they've made a couple of good signings um, their depth at tight head prop for example I'd say is is more proven than ours so the Petrus Duplessis has started the last two games who has started a lot for Saracens in a solid pack in the past Ben Franks then comes off the bench in that position um, who's obviously an all blackies does have experience at loose head as well but this season seems to be a, a tight head season for him um, and they've also signed Saulo from from, Toulon, from Toulon who is the Fijian first choice tight head prop so they've got three proven I think performers in tight head position so let's look out for that they've got two heavyweight second rows in Van der Merwe and De Chavez who signed from Leicester over the, uh, over the summer so look they're not going to go backwards in the scrum at the uh, breakdown, obviously Blair Cowan, he's proven himself in the past. He's been their standout player in the past in the Premiership. And he had an absolutely awesome um, game, first first game up against Quinns. I thought he was absolutely titanic um, and uh, was smashing people to the ground, winning turnovers and all the rest of it. In the backs, we've got uh, two friends to, to welcome back to the AJ Bell Stadium. Uh, we've got Luke McLean, um, who started inside centre um, and uh, had a not brilliant year at the South Sharks, mostly at fullback. Um, and that was, of course, when Haley burst onto the scene. Um, he didn't play in the first game, I don't think, against uh, against Quinns. So, um, you know, it, it, we, he's not yet proven in the Premiership. It's um, he makes a comeback. Let's hope yeah, he let's makes a comeback. Let's just he's still not very good, yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, and, then, and then at fullback, we've got Tommy Bell, um, who obviously came through our academy. Um, and he basically just kicks absolutely everything. Had a storming first two games of the season. I thought he played well um, in the game that I saw against Exeter Chiefs. Safe at the back, um, difficult to bring down, just like his brother. Really powerful in the tackle. Lacks a bit of top end pace, but he's an absolute solid fifteen, and actually would would uh, would go quite well in our squad. I think at the moment with the percentages that he has at goal. So I think that's a very quick overview of Irish. I think they. they in the first two games of the season, they've showed they've got more structure in attack than most teams that have been promoted um, and are dangerous in that sense. And I think they've also got this worrying thing around them where they've almost got nothing to lose, uh, whereas you know where our confidence is going to be down. So a little bit worried about that, but they're yet to be proven in defence themselves. So we have to step up um, up front, especially in the scrum, um, where I do think that they've got a bit of potential um, and then you know again we need to we need to attack them especially around that 10-12 channel James Marshall Luke McLean what I've taken from this is that uh, a bit like Newcastle London Irish have the pack that we that uh, we're trying to have uh, loads of bulk in the front row and in the second row uh, and they also have um, uh, <laughs> in a fallback uh, exactly who we're missing right now. Someone who can uh, steady the ship a little bit and uh, also offer a little something more with the boots. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been so impressed by London Irish. Um, obviously, like you said, going away to Chiefs is always going to be a very tough game, and I don't think anyone is surprised that they lost by thirty points. But that first game against Harlequins was, was a massive eye opener um, to people who thought that uh, it was just going to be a case of one or one down. 
uh, for the London Irish in the Premiership this year, which I must admit was uh, was with me included. And I think actually um, going off the first couple of games, you could say Irish are perhaps even in a better position than um, than, than Worcester are. Um, you know, in terms of the relegation sweepstakes. Um, one player I've identified, and, and I'm sure you'll back me up on this, James, um, that Franco van der Merwe looks, looks a superb signing. He's just everywhere for them in the games that I've seen. Um, and, you know, it, I, I want to talk more about, you know, who would you pick for sale and, you know, how we're going to structure this. But I, I, I'm looking at the London Irish team and, and that, that, that very impressive pack. And are we, you know, could we have the same issues again? Um, you know, at the line out, if 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 they aren't careful, you know, do you think you know there is there is a very real possibility of you know banana slip the sequel? Oh gosh, there's of course there is. We're talking we're talking about sale sharks. Of course, there's <laughs> plenty of banana skins everywhere. Um, I think in the line out, I think Van der Merwe and De, De Chavez have been they're they're going to be less of a threat. They're they're a bit more bulky. Um, they carry, they get around the field, they hit the rocks. If it's bad weather again, that's where we're going to be in a bit more, you know, a bit more trouble um, in the tight. Because I do agree, but uh, we play a different structure. You know, you made the point that they've maybe got the pack that that we're trying to have. Disagree. I I, I think what we've got is a very abrasive back row. Um, and then and, nothing and, up front. And, and then and we know we're trying to have a mobile second row. Okay, what we don't have is a tight head to lock it down, and you know, we, without Rob Webber, we lack a and uh, Bryn Evans, we lack a we lack a line out. Um, they're they're trying to have a really strong set piece scrum Irish, um, where and then they've got a back row that just smashes everything in the in the tackle, and they have got backs that can play Marshall Ojo. Lewington, uh, the Langer's not even in the team yet. He's a signing from Claremont over yeah. the uh, over the summer. In fact, I think he might be come from Leon, but he he made his name at Claremont. Um, so, and then Tommy Bell kicking everything. So, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with the way you've approached the the question in, in a way. Um, I think a lot is gonna is gonna just rely on on the weather and whether Olika and Weber are back in the front row. Well, they're both starting for the Jets tonight. Um, and I think that with Neil having started for the Jets the week before and coming straight into the first team, I wouldn't be surprised to see both come straight back in to start the game against Irish. Oh, yeah, I think that those are all very fair points, although I didn't appreciate you undermining my, uh, my, my role <laughs> as a question master. Um, Alex, I want to I ask you something here. So if Rob Webber, Halani Alika, Bryn Evans, those three players, if they're back and in that sale team, on on Friday, should you know, should we be a lot more confident uh, in getting a sell win, or do you think there are other issues uh, elsewhere in the team that could still cause, like I so eloquently put before, banana slip to the sequel? Uh, no, I think I I think it's as simple as if Bryn Evans is back, then I am confident about our chances, and that increases if Weber and Ali come back. To be fair, I thought Taras had a good game on Friday night. I don't think there's any issue there. I think Will Griff John probably needs to go and spend some time um, either with the Jets, just getting a bit of, it's a very sort of, or maybe, you know, the away games, like away at Sarries would be a great game for him to play. It's one we're not going to win. And it's just good experience to get that scrummaging, um, that scrummaging sort of, it's, it's, it's one of those I don't really understand the scrum, but if you do it loads, I'm sure it gets easier, doesn't it? Um, there's my as, some, as, a, as, a, as a former back there's my sort of opinion on the scrum um, so yeah I think I think if Evans comes back I think that's probably what we were we were missing a, a sort of we were missing senior players we were missing a commanding line out presence and we were missing cool heads and I think Evans is all of those and Weber will also bring that he's an international he's going to bring that experience and you know if if we've got those three back, then I can't see any issue. I think once we, with those three, we'll get a bit more front football. The scrums weren't a massive issue, so I'm not really too worried about tight head anyway. The lineouts were an issue, and we do need to fix them. But it didn't. That's I don't think that's what cost us the game. I mean, I think it, it stalled us, but I don't think it cost us the game. So, yeah, I think with with those three on, a bit more front football the team continuing to gel. Addison and Haley are great attacking players and Fafter Clerk on front football will be an absolute nightmare. So I am confident assuming those three are back. If those three aren't, I'm really worried, especially second row. 
Just uh, just the record, because I'm not a chance to mention it yet. Uh, I am a, a big fan of Alexandru Taros's game on Friday. I thought he was really solid. Um, I thought that, you know he looked pretty steady in the scrum. You know, and there was, there was a hint as well. I'm um, obviously it's kind of hard to tell with all of this sort of moving pieces, but I think he you know had uh, if not the measure of the Falcons' loose head, he certainly had, you know was was able to sort of keep everything upright and give Sale a good platform. So of uh, of of all the players. Uh, that played on Friday, I thought Taros had a, had a really encouraging game. I was quite pleased um, to, to, in theory, you know, between him and Alika, we should be able to, um, you know, keep keep the scrum going for for eighty minutes or so. A little bit worried as well that was, you know, James Flynn uh, is still not coming on um, off the bench, which suggests that the, you know the coaching staff don't trust him, and Ross Harrison is being forced to play eighty minutes. Um, that's for me at the moment now. I think where Sale's biggest sort of concern lies outside of the second row, which I think we all agree is is a bit of an issue without Brent Evans. James, you've done uh, the most research out of all of us into London Irish, so you're, you're the expert here. Um, going into this, uh, Friday's game, knowing what happened last week, what changes would you make to the Sale team, operating on the assumption that Alika, Weber, uh, and Evans are, are, are all fit, and you know James O'Connor is. Let, let, let's say seventy percent fit going off the sort of bits of information that we know. You know, who do you change? You know, does anyone come in? Does anyone drop out? Uh, where does Paul Cam Neald go? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Oh, this this is a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, absolutely, Weber and Olika should come straight back in if they are back. And same with Bryn Evans. If Bryn Evans isn't available um, due to the concussion, I would consider bringing George Not in for Beaumont, um, just because I think. George Knott is reasonably solid in the line-out, actually. It does make it a question of who calls the line-out. I, I, you know, there'll be things behind the scenes that we're not aware of, um, but that is something I'd consider. Otherwise, I wouldn't look to make too many changes. I think that Mike Haley deserves a chance to um, play well on, on Friday night and be first choice. You've got to think about dropping these people and what it'll do for their confidence. Um, but uh, I think it's probably maybe last chance for, for him, you know, in terms of being first choice at fullback for the near future. Um, I, if O'Connor is back, I imagine what they'll do is they'll have him on that bench position instead of Sam James. But I really hope we now go to a balanced bench. Um, I've come round to your way of thinking, Lewis. Doesn't happen very often. Make sure this is recorded uh, very, very strongly and replayed regularly. Um, but no, absolutely, we need more balance just more generally on that on that bench. So I'd have O'Connor coming onto the bench um, and I'd keep everything else pretty much the same and ask for a performance um, to come back. I have an interest then. So you want to bring O'Connor back onto the bench. Um, what, so, and you're going to want to sacrifice that 6-2 split. Who do you take off from the forwards then? Um, you know, I'd take... I'd take- yeah, I'd take one of the, the Currys that were off the bench. I'd have um, Ioni still as a as an impact off off the bench, yeah. and I, I could then. And if if Weber's back, then I'd have Neil on the bench as my hooker replacement. Also, being able to obviously do a job in the back row as well. And then, who would you have um, as the twenty third man? If we are operating something that it be Wilcliffe? James O'Connor, and then somebody else on the bench. Would it be Sam James, or would you bring someone like Josh Charlie in? I think I'd still stick with Sam James. I, I agree with Alex. I cannot understand how he didn't come come on either at twelve or thirteen, or even ten, to be honest. Um, any of them, you know, he's he's somebody who can come on and just he's quite an odd player in many ways, so he can do something that's unusual. Um, and that's what that's the sort of thing we only need one bit of inspiration on Friday night to have taken the game well out of reach of Newcastle um, and uh, you know he could have been the person to provide that I, I, yeah I, I agree with both of you um, I thought I, I, especially with Alex though you know I would have thought a great change to make would have been Addison uh, to come on uh, to come off and put James at 13 um, where he could add be, be sort of a second playmaker and pivot in the back line uh, Alex, I'll put this in question to you. You know, you know who do you, who do you change? Who do you bring in? Who do you drop? You know, uh, you know the floor. The floor is yours. Um, I'd agree with James. I don't think dropping Haley or or Beaumont really, depending on the Evans situation, um, is is the answer because I think two get two games in isn't a the time to panic or b the time to make rush decisions like you know dropping someone who. In all fairness to him, has been our first choice fullback for two years or however long it's been. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more experience in the back row, and I do think they've played well. But we've got John O'Ross, new to the club, Josh Strauss, new to the club, and then Curries, who are insane. But uh, how old are they now? 11, 11 and a half. Um, so. 
yeah, I'd probably I'd probably be be looking to bring, you know, I'd I'd like Ioane off the bench, maybe Dave Seymour. I'd I'd quite like to come back just as an experienced player, but I can understand if we keep the same back row. I don't think they've done anything wrong. I wouldn't mind seeing Sam James come back in. I think I think that's my um, my that would be my one change. Sam James to come back in, maybe for Jennings. As much as I thought Jennings played well, I do think we need to. Um, I think Sam James had a good enough game against Wasps that he didn't really deserve to be dropped. In the same way that Jennings had a good game and sort of forced his way into the team, I'd just like to see him come back. And I don't think Diamond will drop Addison. No, fair enough. Million dollar question then. So where does where does James O'Connor come into the the twenty three for you if he's fit? Because we're hearing sort of conflicting things. Um, you know, Diamond said a week. O'Connor himself said two weeks. I mean, I, I don't know who's to trust typically with these sort of <laughs> things. Um, where where would you bring him in at the twenty three? Um, unless he is a hundred percent fit, I wouldn't bring him in yet. I, I don't. I mean, that's probably going to elicit a reaction. Um, from everyone, but I would just, um, I just leave him, leave him to fully recover, fully get bedded in with the team. We've already introduced one erratic playmaker in Vaca <laughs> Burke, and we're taking our time to bed in with that. I think introducing two could could cause a chaos and b cardiac arrests in me and my family at the state of some of those passes over the last couple of last couple of games. Um, if it say if he was a hundred percent fit, raring to go, and everyone was was, you know, happy to have him there, I would probably again have him on the bench to come and make an impact. I don't think McGinty deserves to be dropped, and it's the, what James said about player confidence. I don't think there's anyone there, bar maybe Addison, who's who's played themselves out with the team, and I wouldn't have O'Connor at thirteen. So, so would you would you bring him into the Jets first though? If he's kind of ninety percent, let's say, would you play him a week on? A week today, basically, or um, oh, good question. Um, yeah, you see, I maybe should be question master. Yeah, oh, you. Oh, God, there we go. Oh, there good is. That's, that's it is. Um, I'm glad we're recording the coup with live. <laughs> yeah, no. well, we managed to kick you off when your bins came last week, mate. So it's just it's all part of a pattern. Um, <laughs> well, I'd... fingers crossed that there, there, there's no one coming down the streets at the moment, anyway. So we're all good for the time being. In answer to the question. Yes, yeah, I'd have him playing ten with the Jets because um, I think it'd just be good for him to get some experience at ten. Good for him to go and see Haywood Road, see where it all started, <laughs> to, you know, you know, get the feel of the club, um, you know, culture and all that Stuart Lancaster stuff. Yes, if, if, if he thinks that Friday night at the AJ Bell is grim, just wait until a Monday night at Haywood Road. <laughs> Haywood Road. Um, but uh, just talking about the Jets, uh, they've just started the second half and they're currently losing um, seven. That's uh, Jets seven, Wasps nineteen at the moment. Do the Wasps Which not is... have their own like sort of A League team name? You know, like how we had the Wandies last year, uh, last week, and Sale obviously have the Jets, which I don't really know how that fits into the whole Sale ethos. Did Wasps not have their own name? They do. No, no, oh. they don't. It's, it's it's Wasps A. Ah, oh, that's, that's a bit disappointing, actually. <laughs> Last question from from me: the upcoming game on Friday night. Um, we've got to do some predictions, Alex. You know, you made that beautiful infographic. Uh, last week which I'm very excited to see again hopefully with some uh, you know correct predictions on for a change since we all went for a sell win last week and obviously we we're all disappointed uh, Alex so, yeah, start, start us off prediction for Friday night uh, probably in the wind and rain at, uh, at a, a very sparsely attended AJ Bell well I was going to lead off with the weather um, so all this week in Manchester it's doing what it does in Manchester and raining and then on Friday we've got some low pressure moving across I don't know what I'm saying um, we've got <laughs> We've got we've got showers in the afternoon, but dry in the morning, and dry crucially when the game is on. Um, so if that sticks, I am going to go. I'm going to hope that we um, we work our magic on Bryn Evans, and I'm going to say that we are going to win a horrible game. It's going to be unenjoyable, um, and it's going to be nineteen five to us. Okay. James, uh, I can see you pulling your hair out uh, how this podcast has gone from rugby to fashion to now uh, meteorology. Um, what, what do you think the result's going to be on uh, on Friday night? Oh, um, this is just so difficult because I want to I want to make it really really close just to 
So you, we can always surprise ourselves when we win. You know, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to predict lots and then we win and then it's all fine. Um, it, right, what am I going to do? I'm going to go the same as I went last week. I'm going to go 23-17 to sale. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be very boring and go very close to Alex. I think it's going to be 19-7. I can see sale. A couple of tries, a couple of couple of kicks. Um, I, I, for whatever reason, I reckon Tommy Bell is going to kick that you know, <laughs> uh, touchline conversion and go 19-7. So I think Sale have got enough to win. I hope Sale have got enough to win. Um, I'm very aware that you know, with a, a quick you know, De Klerk break or an Addison break or a Solomona, you know, uh, try in the corner, all of a sudden we can really ramp the score up. And, and I think we showed enough um, defensive structure at home last week um, to, you know, possibly uh, uh, keep um, keep London Irish down uh, on the scoreboard as well. Anyway, we're uh, we're coming up to close to an hour, but we've got just a few minutes left, uh, in which time we're going to squeeze in a little bit of a quiz. So I want to say a big thank you to Ali Baxter, who got in touch uh, with uh, at Sharks and Rugby earlier this week and sent, uh, sent this little quiz along uh, for you two to do. So not only am I question master in terms of general discussion, I'm also question master. Uh, who, who does it for mastermind? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, do you know Alex? John Humphreys, isn't it? John Humphreys, there you go. Can you adopt us very slightly Welsh accent in a clipped BBC tone? If, <laughs> if so, great. Uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to spare us all that uh, the, the ignominy. <laughs> but anyway, right, pen, pens and papers are the ready, and obviously you can do all this at home. But this, this is a really interesting quiz because it's, it's got some quite interesting questions with some uh, interesting uh, interesting answers. So, uh, question number one. Are you, you ready, James? Cool. Uh, who has more appearances for sale, Mark Jones or Johnny Leota? Right. I'm, a, I'm aware. That Are we writing them down? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just so we, just so I know you're not. Well, actually, I can't check if you're cheating or not. So <laughs> let's just go with the spirit of good sportsmanship. Yeah. Okay. You good? Okay. Question yep. number two: Who has scored more points for sale? Is it Mark Jennings or Bryn Evans? I'm aware that quizzes make for great podcasting yeah. experiences. I feel like this is a trick question, but then I'm yeah, I feel like double, they're all trick questions. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm then double guessing myself. So, um, right, okay, yeah, I've got my answer. Right, you guys good to go on? Yep. Okay, you're gonna like this one. Who has scored more points for sale, Tom Curry or Ben Curry? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's complete guess. Well done, Ali. I'm just going to write the surname and then I'm right anyway. <laughs> okay, James, you good to go? Yeah, I'm good. Right. Who weighs more, Josh Strauss or Halani Alika? Got to be. Got to be. I'm going to be. I'm. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be done by the sort of surprise element of this quiz. But I'm going <laughs> with my gut. Ironically. Right, okay, if you, if you get this one wrong, um, I'm booting you off the podcast. <laughs> what year was Sale Football Club founded? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. James, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, there's, there's a number and it's either one way or it's... it's <laughs> down. And I can't remember which one it is. I'm not wearing a Sale top. Okay. <laughs> This is brilliant. Please, please, anyone who listens in, send us more quizzes because it's very entertaining watching Alex pull his hair out. We should we should record these and release them as like a Patreon bonus just to watch our like faces like cavort and you know, twist. I don't think James is as bothered as I am. I'm just very competitive and worried about getting kicked off the podcast. <laughs> right. Question six. What year was this? Was the name Sharks adopted for sale? RFC. Oh, that's a guess. That's a good one. That. That is good. I like that. That's uh, a guess, but yeah. Right, and I'm not sure how we're gonna we're gonna score this one. But question seven: There have been six Sale Sharks, British and Irish Lions from the year 2000 who were Lions whilst they were playing for Sale. Who are they? <laughs> Put a bit of this out when we're just coming up with names of <laughs> whilst, they were, whilst they were playing for Sale. Yes, yeah. So there are a couple of players who obviously were Lions before or after. They played at sale, um, but I believe it will be the year uh, they were picked as a lion. They were playing in sale sharks colours. Uh, 
there's six, so I'm I'm thinking. Uh, what, what do you guys reckon? A point for all six, or a point for each individual name? Correct. Um, yeah, probably at, uh, at this rate, not a point for all six. Because, <laughs> um, maybe a point for every two or something. Half a point each. Okay, cool. You happy with that, James? Yeah. How's have you, you finished? How's your answers? Good. Um, I, I mean, it's just making it up as we go along, really. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm on. I'm on five, and I should know the other one, and I can't think. Okay. Yeah. Right. You're right. Good. Okay. Answer time. Uh, oh shit! I've lost the uh, lost the quiz for a second. Right. So, question number one: Who has more appearances for sale, Mark Jones or Johnny Leota? Uh, James, what did you what did you pull? Mark Jones. And Alex. Mark Jones. Mark yeah. Jones as well. You're both correct. So that's one point apiece. You're gonna have to tie this up for yourself because I I didn't bring a pen and paper. <laughs> So one apiece. So question two: Who has scored more points for sale, Mark Jennings or Bryn Evans? James, uh, you can go first again. Uh, I've got Mark Jennings. Okay, and Alex. I've got I've got Bryn Evans. And the point goes to Alex. Bryn Evans. So Bryn Evans has oh, scored thirty-five points for sale, and Mark Jennings has scored thirty points for sale. Which, uh, if you've got your calculator handy, is seven tries for Evans, six for Gen- uh, six for Jennings. Sorry, I should have uh, should have given you the proper answer for the question number one as well. Mark Jones has 167 appearances for sale. John Leo it's 129. Okay, so Alex is two on up. So question number three: Who has scored more points for sale, Tom or Ben Curry? Uh, Alex, I'll go with you first. Who did you put? Ben. Okay, and James. I've gone Ben. And you're both correct. Ben Curry 15, which again three tries. Tom Curry uh, five points with for one try. So there you go. Question number four, potential trick question here. Who weighs more, Josh Strauss or Halani Alika? Alex? Alika, it's got to be. It's got to be. It defies physics. No, 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 double, no triple guessing? <laughs> no, I'm going Alika. Okay, James. I'm, I'm going Alika as well. I mean, come on. Alika is correct. Both point for both of you. I tell you what, though, it is a lot closer than I than I realised. Uh, Josh Strauss is 114 kilograms, and Halani Alika is 118 kilograms. Blimey! Yeah. Which is yeah. I mean, I mean, Strauss is is. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a big fella. They're all big fellas, but he doesn't. He's got 50 k's in his beard, mate. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, that that might be the secret to all his strength, Samson style. <laughs> Okay, so uh, question five: What year was Sale Football Club founded? James, eighteen sixty-one. I've got and Alex. See, I wrote eighteen sixty-one. <laughs> I'm going to be honest; I've changed it to eighteen ninety-one. Ah, the point goes to James. It was eighteen sixty-one. Yeah, so. Literally, all you have to do is go on the forum uh, or look at yeah, look at a sailor shirt or anything, and it's and it's all there. It's the only I've it's, seen. I've seen that a million times in my life, but like I said, I didn't couldn't remember if the six was upside down or not, and I panicked. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, how many points do you have, Alex? Alex has. I think it's four all. Four all. Okay. I've got so. four. James, you happy with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Go for it. This is an absolute shit show. This this is terrible for my audition to be the next host of Mastermind. <laughs> right. Question six: What year was this, was the name Sharks adopted for sale at RFC, James? I've gone 2001, but that was a guess. I've yeah. also gone 2001 as a complete guess, just to prove I'm holding this up to the camera for those who can't <laughs> see at home. And unfortunately, you're both wrong. It's 1999. Oh. The advent of professionalism in rugby. So we're still tied on four repeats, which brings us basically quite nicely to, to a tiebreaker. Who can name more sail sharks who have appeared for the British and Irish Lions? So... Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read them out one by one and then you just let me know if you've got them written down. And um, again, we're having to trust you guys here. <laughs> no worries. Actually, no, no, no. no think about it. I don't trust either of you. Uh, Alex, give me uh, give me one and then James, give me one and then we'll go back and forwards. Uh, Jason Robinson. That's one. James? Frank Cotton. No, Frank Cotton is not on there. Did you have Jason Robinson? I've got Jason Robinson, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's a point. So is Frank Cotton not playing for sale, or does it have to be sale sharks? 
Uh, it doesn't say. It just says sell, it does say sell sharks in the question. Uh, and from all the names I can tell, it does look post nineteen ninety nine, as we we now all know. Um, so I'm going to guess. I'm going to say it's all sell sharks rather than sell RFC. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Okay. Fine. Okay. So Frank Hodgson was incorrect. Alex, do you have a next one? Uh, Mark Quato. That's correct. James, did you have that? Yeah, I've got Mark Quato. So that's two apiece. So James, next next name, please. Andrew Sheridan. Andrew Sheridan is correct. Oh, no, this is, and yeah, judging by his reaction, Come Alex on. did not have that on his uh, on his list. So James is now actually 3-2 up, 7-6 seven, seven, uh, seven, total. Uh, Alex, next name. Charlie Hodgson. That's correct. James, did you have that? Yeah, I've got Charlie. Okay, so that's 8-7. Uh, there should be two more names. So James? Yeah. I've got Dwayne Peel. No, that's that's incorrect. Oh, oh what? <laughs> he came to us after 2009, didn't he? Or did he even go on the Lions tour? Uh, yeah, he Unfortunately, Ali hasn't provided that much information. We've just got the list of uh, list of players. <laughs> Let's just guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Alex, your turn. Um, Jason White. That is correct. Yeah, I've got Jason White. Oh, okay. Oh, so I think I think. I think I'm I'm on un, I'm unlucky on Frank Cotton. I reckon. Yeah, that's got to be unlucky. That. <laughs> if I, it comes I'm down so... to a tie break, then I feel like James sneaks it with the Frank Cotton bonus point. Yeah, did he, <laughs> he always play, He's always played for Sale FC, isn't he? He didn't. He, didn't, he wasn't playing for another team in the Northwest. Uh, I, I believe so, but I, I assume it is again the sort of Sale Sharks post 1999 thing. Right, there is there is one name left, and if Alex has it and James doesn't, then it's a tie. But if Alex can't guess it, then it's uh, then it's uh, a win for James overall. I think it's the biggest disgrace to the Lions selection ever to happen. Someone who got in the team through no clearly no reflection of their performances that season, and I think Richie Gray was still our player when um, he went to the Lions in 2013. Ah uh, no, we've we've got that oh. down. It, it, I'd say um, it can't be uh, it can't be Richie Gray because in theory, when he was picked, uh, he'd already signed for uh, whoever he went to. Cass was it? Oh, he hadn't played a game for them. Not having this. I think that's a little bit unfair. James, who did you have as the last one on your list? I'm sure it wasn't it six that we had to do. Yeah, there was there, there was six. So have you got all six. Uh, have you yeah, named all six? No, I no. Well, my. No, I got five out of six because... No, I actually only got four out of six because Dwayne Peel and Frank Cotton were no's. Okay, and then how many did you get overall? Um, four out of six. Who was the last one then? The last one? Well, was... I had Jason, Jason Robinson, Andrew yep. Sheridan. Yep. Charlie Hodgson. Yep. Jason White. Yeah, that's four. Yeah, and then Dwayne Peel and Cotton. Okay, so that's, that's my four. Pick. And then Alex, you, right. give me, you give me yours again. I've got Robinson, Quato, Hodgson, White. Okay, so there you go. So that, those are the last two. So Mark Quato and Andy Titterall. Andy Titterall. Oh. So, Andy Titterall. I mean, Andy things Titterall. just... Andy Titterall. People, people complain about Billy Twelve Trees being a lion. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, there we go. So the very first quiz on the podcast ends, uh, ends amicably in, in a tie, I believe. Good. Well, that's probably about right. Yeah, I, I need next next time we do this, I I need to get a pen and paper because I got very very lost on that. So I apologise to everyone who had to sort of muddle through all that. But well done both <laughs> of you. You don't win anything. You just win the satisfaction <laughs> of you know being as smart as each other. So well done, guys. Get in. Round of applause. Right. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we sign off? I think we've done pretty much everything. Um, nothing new on the kit or the signings or anything like that. So, uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Yeah, just very quickly, I want to make the point that um, 15 Sale Sharks under-18s players have got into the England under-18s training camp, uh, which is coming together. So, you know, if we're looking for some positive news about the future, that looks good. We got to the final of the under-18s last year and, you know, it looks good for, for going all the way this year. Yeah, de- definitely positive. I mean, I- I'll confess, I don't keep uh, an eye on the under-18s and the Jets as much as I know some people do. Um, 
you know, because I actually have a life. Um, but <laughs> but broadly speaking, you know, obviously, you know, from, from the soundbite, it, it's, it's great news, obviously, and bodes really well for the future of the club. And you can see, you can see off the field, you know, the, the routes that the club are putting down, you know, the, the 100 club and getting involved with all the, you know, the local teams and stuff. Um, it's all burning really well for the future and obviously I've been hearing some great things about Kieran Wilkinson and Cameron Redpath who I know you're very high on James um, coming through and they're supposed to be the next big thing who could be uh, playing for sale as early as next year out of the Curry brothers so again just another indicator that uh, the work the sale are doing off the field in, in the area is uh, really starting to pay dividends uh, anything else you guys want to talk about or should we call it a day we should probably update that at the end of this podcast, the Jets are 12-19 down at home to Wasps after, I mean, there's very little info on the Sale Sharks feed, but they got over after a rolling mall. I don't know who scored it. I don't know anything other than that, but um, I think uh, that's that's at least a bit of good news to end the pod on. We've just got to try. Yeah, it's, it's nice to know that Curtis Langdon or whoever's playing hooker for the Jets uh, is able to hit his man, even if none of the uh, <laughs> uh, the, the self first team players were last week. But that, that's, that's focus on the positives and, and end on a good note. Rob Webb is playing it too, isn't he? So that that looks good. Excellent. Perfect. It's going to be fine. We're going to win. Yeah, let's let, let, let's just let's just leave it there. So I want to say a big thank you um, to well, we want to say a big thank you to everybody who listened to the last podcast. Um, I think it was our uh, second most listened to ever, but after our first one, the first one we ever did. Um, loads of good feedback on the Twitter. Thanks so much for getting involved, and obviously it makes it so much more rewarding when we can interact with with other sale fans who are obviously as passionate about the club uh, as we are. Um, so yeah, so. SoundCloud, follow, uh, Twitter, retweet, like, uh, Facebook, post, you know, share, do, do all that sort of stuff. Um, it does make a massive difference. Give us reviews on iTunes and SoundCloud and stuff uh, and, you know, help help us make this. Uh, as I write on the SoundCloud bio, the northern powerhouse of rugby podcasting, which I think is uh, a very nice sound bit to end on. So, uh, yeah, I want to say a big thank you uh, to James and Alex for joining me as, as usual. Um, yeah, cheers, cheers, James. Cheers, mate. Go and enjoy it. Go enjoy that lovely pool you were showing us before. I'm going to go and crack open a beer. Sounds great. Alex, thanks Thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. I'm also going to go and crack open the beer, but mine's going to be in rainy Manchester, so I can only dream. All right. Speak to you guys next week. <laughs>